frequent listeners know, uh, I think, that we have six children, seven, counting my beautiful daughter-in-law. And um, when the six kids were growing up, there were moments when I would scratch my head and wonder, who is this going to be, this little kid? Uh, what are they going to be like as an adult? Uh, there's a question deep in the heart of every parent, I think. What's the end game? What are they going to look like? And we've got some ideas for you today on how to invest in your child. I'm John Fuller, along with uh, the leader of our parenting department here at Focus on the Family, Dr. Danny Huerta. And let's listen to a clip featuring Rhonda Stoppi, who shared about a time when she surrendered her attitude to God. Uh, Her son, Brandon, was struggling with seizures, and um, she had to release that. Here she is now with Jim Daly. When I chose to say yes and be thankful, he began doing a work on my heart because resentment steals, kills, and destroys all that God wants to do. We can't even pray powerfully. In fact, the book of James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. But when I'm holding on to resentment, unforgiveness, uh, bitterness against God for allowing a circumstance in my life or my husband for not measuring up to my expectations or being the dad I think he should be, that renders my prayers powerless. Mm. I am exchanging being Moses on a hillside with my arms in the air, interceding for my children who are down there fighting the battle. I'm exchanging that powerful prayer to hold on to a resentment. And Satan loves that because he knows the most powerful resource we have as parents at our disposal is a powerful prayer life for our kids. And so I, it wasn't long after I told God, I will choose to say thank you, that he began working on my heart. But you have to meet him at that point where he's calling you to obedience yeah. and let him change your heart. Well, Rhonda, let me ask you, I mean, you shared that story about Blackaby's son sleeping in the pew. <laughs> That was Richard, I think. Yeah, it I've was. met Richard a few I'll have to ask him about He's that a nice next guy. time. But the, the point of that is you need parental wisdom to decide how to respond to that because I think there's several different ways people are going to respond to disobedience mm-hmm. with their kids. They're going to dig in and try to make an example out of this. They're going to get hardcore. Mm-hmm. You've crossed the line, buddy, and this is your uh, treatment, and this is how you're going to be reprimanded. It sounds like they just kind of let it go. You know, let him sleep in the back. We'll get there eventually. He'll he'll come around. And in their case, he, he did. He became a pastor, that son. <laughs> so, but speak to that moment. And, uh, you know, if you're a mother of a teen, which is what your book is aimed at, Moms Raising Sons it to Be Men. It actually starts from childhood so there you all go. the way up from the But in that littles. moment of separation and independence, that could be a real drama for a mom it who is. is not willing to kind of take the control off and let go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I need you to double down on what you're saying for the mom that's struggling. There's a section. It's the honesty of their own heart. They know who they are, Mm -hmm. the mom that is struggling in this area. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, if you keep your talons in there, you're going to create a monster as opposed to a child who's willing to follow the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's a section in Moms Raising Sons called Control Freaks Raise Freaks. You're either going to (laughs) raise a mama's boy that's never going to leave your couch, and he's going to be playing video games on your sofa when he's 40 years old, or he's going to push you away and he's going to rebel against everything that you represent. I speak at homeschool conventions. That's a hard one for moms because they're with them all day long. And it's they're their teacher, oh, they're, they're their investing. mom. They're, they're totally investing. And a lot of them have quit corporate America or whatever they would be pursuing. And they're putting their entire self into raising up these children. And so when these kids aren't, you know, playing the violin when they're five years old or passing the SATs like they had expected. There is an amazing story 
at the very end of Moms Raising Sons to be men. And it talks about prodigals because I know there are people listening right now that are you know, we just came through a season with with people that are just struggling with prodigals. And there's a story of Adoniram Judson at the very end of the book. And, you know, his parents were Puritan preacher, his dad was. Uh, you know, you know how this kid had to have been raised in his home. Oh, yeah. He grows up. He goes to New York to college to study to be a playwright. There's nothing new under the sun. This is Puritan era, and here we go. He goes away to college, and he meets this kid named Jacob Eames, who laughs at him that he believes in God. And his professors at college turn his heart away from believing in God, and he becomes mm. best friends with this atheist. What Jacob year is Eames this? During the Puritan era, but yeah, yeah yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the same story, yeah. and Satan knows what works, so he just uses it. So the story goes on in Moms Raising Sons. You can read it where, where Adoniram Judson graduates. He goes to New York to try to, his hand is to be a playwright. He's a miserable failure. And you know, there's a scripture in Samuel that it says, God devises a way to bring the prodigal child home. You know, these Puritan parents were praying for their son. I, I've not read that, but come on. He's out one night on his own, on a horse, in the dark, despondent, distraught, everything he's tried hasn't worked, feeling discouraged. He sees a light in the darkness, so he rides his horse to that light. He wants to find somewhere to sleep, and there's an inn. He goes to the innkeeper, and he asks the innkeeper if he has a room, and he says, I only have one. You're welcome to it, but it's next door to someone that's sick. In fact, he's crying out in pain. In fact, he's dying. At that point, he was so hardened, and he didn't think he would care, so he said, I'll take the room. So all night long, Adoniram Judson is laying in a room next door, hearing someone crying out in pain, knowing they're dying. And God begins to remind him of everything he was brought up with, all of those scriptures that he knew as a child, you know, because your formula for helping your kids to walk with God is word hidden in their heart. In the morning, he comes out and he asks the innkeeper about the man that was sleeping next door. And he said, well, the man died. For some reason, Adoniram Judson asked, can I ask the man's name? And the innkeeper said, Jacob Eames, right? It was the very man that he had become friends with in college who had turned him to be an atheist and hmm. was dying in the room next door to him. Hmm. And with that, it brought him to repentance. He went home to his Puritan parents. He went to seminary. He became the first foreign missionary, translated the Bible into the Burmese language, uh, read his biography. It's incredible what he lived and the tortures he went through to share the gospel in India. Because when God gets a hold of those prodigals, there's no stopping them. I think of Peter when Jesus said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But Jesus didn't say, but I'm not going to let him. But he said, but I've prayed for you. And when you return, and then he gave him his assignment. When those prodigals are out there, I have to follow Jesus' example. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. I'm not going to rescue you from your bad decisions. I'm not going to, you know, uh, help you keep doing the life you're doing, but I will pray for you. Mm -hmm. And when you return, God's going to use you in a way like Adoniram Judson that you will die for your faith. Yeah. Um, explain that concept of appealing to the man he will become. I mean, if you put that in air quotes, appealing to the man he mm -hmm. will become. Um, what does it mean, first of all, and, and can you share a story about how you did that with Brandon? I think we have to realize that our sons think, oh, you just want to control me. You just don't want me it's to live exactly my life. What they think. I just want to do my <laughs> thing. You want me to be your little boy forever. It's like, no, I don't. I want you to not live here forever. <laughs> Let's start and, there. Yeah, and helping them understand. I remember telling Brandon, 
we don't want you to be here forever. He was probably, I think he was 15 years old because he was, uh, he had his permit and I was driving and we live in a canyon, mountain winding road, which if you want to take your life in your hands, sit in the car with a 15 year old boy <laughs> yeah. on a mountain road. I'd say take him to the desert, nice yeah. straight <laughs> yeah. road. That's the but way that go. was our drive home every day. And yeah. you know, men communicate shoulder to shoulder. Meaning you're not looking eye so to eye. So when they're yeah. up to about 10 years old, you get them to look you in the eye like we talked about earlier, Vaughn and Molly telling me, look in the eye. But it's not rebellion when they start not necessarily looking at you, not out of a, you know, but they're just, so as Brandon would drive his car, I would be able to have great conversations with him. And I remember one day he was saying, why can't I listen to secular music? And my friends get to listen to secular music and you won't let me. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't. I will say this in 18 years of youth ministry, when kids started rebelling, my husband's first question is what kind of music are they listening to? Sure. Because it gets in their heart and their mind. So as we're driving, I'm like, Brandon, we want you to be the man God's calling you to be. We're here to help you get there. And I remember the work that God did in you to raise you up to be a musician for the Lord. And if the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we let you feast on the music that the world has, that's what's going to come out of you. That's the songs you're going to write. That's the the way you're going to use your talent. And we really believe God has a calling on your life. And we're for you becoming the man God wants you to be. But we have to help you guard your heart and your mind. And so Brandon later says, I wanted to argue with that, but I knew you were right. So he just got real quiet and, you know, just kept driving. But the reality is we have to point them toward the man they're going to be. I was like, if I let you listen to secular music, you might play some high school band, you know, dance, and that be it. That's your glory days. But if you use this talent that God's given you for the Lord, I know in your heart that's what God has created you for and it's what you long for. And we're here to help you get there. We're here to help you become that man. Danny, there was a mention there by Rhonda that, um, helping her kids really know God's Word and kind of have it in their hearts uh, really influenced them, even if they rebelled a little bit. And so um, what are some ways parents can do that, can help our kids know and, and really take to heart the Scriptures? Yeah, it's so important that they take it to heart and really believe that that is the active Word of God, that He's still speaking through His Word to us today, and it begins with us modeling that. Do we really actually believe that God's Word is is beyond a check mark, and really God's speaking to us? Do we show that? Do we model that? Do we talk about that? What's that culture like in our home? The next one uh, is, I, I love doing this with my kids. When, since they were young, they got to take notes in church. And I would say, hey, draw out the sermon, whatever it is. At the end, we're just going to check back on what you heard and what is speaking to you through God's Word through that? And uh, so it's th- these notes that we would reference right after church on our way home or throughout the week uh, here and there. And I remember my daughter, when she was probably in third grade, the pastor came up very discouraged. He's a friend of mine. And he said, man, they, some, some people told me that my, my sermons were way too complicated. Hmm. What do you think, Danny? And I said, well— you know, tell you what, here, here's the drawing from my, my third grade daughter. And he was so encouraged by mm. that because he said she captured it. Yeah. So if a third grader can get it, uh, I can get it. So it, it's just a, an opportunity for our kids to, with their imagination, enter God's Word. And sometimes uh, what we've done as well is taken on the livid challenges that mm-hmm. we have at Focus on the yes. Family, yeah. and, and uh, we provide those 
at free of charge, right? You just sign up, and we send them to you every month. We'll link over to that. all the details in the show notes. <laughs> that, yeah. That's awesome. And then journals. Another one is a journal. Mm-hmm. I write scripture to my daughter. She writes it back. Uh, we've done that in our home for, for years, just writing a piece of Scripture that we feel is going to be encouraging and knowing that God can bring Scripture to us at key moments in our lives and uh, really finding that we can find answers and encouragement and respite in God's Word by yeah. spending time in it. Well, and, and, and where's your trust? This goes back to previous episodes with other guests. Are you trusting in you? Are you trusting in your formula? Or are you trusting in God's Word, which is living and active, as you said? It's powerful. Yes. It will not return void. I believe that is a promise. Uh, it looks different for every child, right? right. Every person. But uh, we encourage you to get a copy of Rhonda's book to go along with uh, what we've been talking about today. It's called Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. And we're making that available as our thank you gift when you donate to the ministry of Focus on the Family. Uh, contribute to the work here. Help us do ministry to families and uh, to equip parents and ultimately to make generational impact. And all the details about how to donate and get that book are in the show notes, as well as the link over to the Live It Challenge. We'll talk more with Rhonda next time about moms in the Bible. And for now, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.